there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of Time for Coffee. I am so glad and honored that you press play. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, the world of startups, or learning more about health and wellness, then my next guest is someone who may just rock your world because he has checked all the boxes as someone who founded and now runs the leading independent media brand dedicated to wellness. But before I introduce you to Jason Wachob, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that gives you an overview of the episodes and the guests we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and sign up. And while you're there, I hope you'll check out the rest of the homepage, which has actually organized all the dozens and dozens of episodes that we've already dropped by profession. So if you're interested in marketing or sales or international affairs or entrepreneurship, just click on that box and scroll through the episodes featuring the professionals who match your interests. Now, my friends, it is that time. So please grab your mug and take a chug of a delicious matcha tea in honor of our health-oriented next guest, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Jason Wachub, the founder and CEO of Mind Body Green, the lifestyle media brand dedicated to inspiring you to live your best life mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and on and on. Jason is also the host of a wonderful podcast called, wait for it, the Mind Body Green Podcast. And he's the author of the book, Wealth, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume. By the way, wealth is spelled well and then T-H. And it makes the case that wellness is actually a new and more valuable life currency, a life exemplified by abundance, happiness, purpose, health, and joy. Jason, welcome to Time for Coffee. I have to ask you the T for C requisite question. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Well, thank you for the lovely introduction. I am always caffeinated. I love black coffee. So the answer is yes. Do you <laughs> add anything to it? Are you one of those MCT oil? Sure. So I will do black coffee or I will do black coffee with grass-fed ghee in the coffee. I alternate between those two. Yeah, the ghee is just, it actually, it sounds gross, but when you (laughs) taste it, right, it's like got that, it does have a little bit of a creamy taste as a result. It does. It's really delicious. And I'm partial to ghee over the grass-fed butter. So those are my two options for coffee, either black or the ghee. Nice. So Jason, first, I would love to kick things off by having you paint the auditory picture for the Java Junkie community as to what Mind Body Green 
is all about and what visitors to MBG can expect to find when they go to mindbodygreen.com. So I think you summed it up pretty well in your lovely intro. You know, we try to provide everything that we believe is good for you. So a 360 degree approach to wellness. So what, what does that mean? That's, that's everything from mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being because we believe all those pillars are interconnected. And that's why my buddy green is one word and not three. And so that's amazing free content from our in-house editorial team or from our experts that include the best and brightest names in wellness, PhDs, MDs, professional athletes, nutritionists, you name it, video classes and trainings from some of those people, our podcasts, as you mentioned, our events. You know, we just tried to provide really great content that inspires people to live their best life, to experience greater meaning, connection, fulfillment, and purpose. And so that, that's Mind Body Green in a nutshell. I love it. The other part of Mind Body Green that is just extraordinary and you alluded to it, is the collective of mentors that you've attracted. Jason, can you share what the collective is and how it works in helping people in their personal wellness journey? Sure. So the collective is a curated group of some of the leading voices and experts in wellness that we've met along the way in the last 10 years. And so what's great about wellness is it's unique. The individual and for us as the leading voice it's important to have different perspectives and so what's been so fulfilling personally and i think a lot of people really love about my buddy green is the collection of voices and perspectives in wellness and so the collective is a group of those people who are leaders in the field who share content share their opinions and are really trusted credible authoritative figures in wellness you know like our mutual friend dr alan vora who's like one of the best when it comes to psychiatry but with a holistic lens like she's a real md and she's fantastic and we could go on and on but it's just important for us to show people who are really credible and authoritative within wellness because a lot of stuff that's out there can be eh, not so credible a little confusing and so for us that's just something that's always been very important to us and building our community and sharing that knowledge with people around the world yeah you really do have the best of the best and I'm going to ask you about how you started Mind Body Green in a few minutes. But first, Jason, I'm actually curious, and I'm guessing some of our Java junkies out there may want to know how they can start to build a community and a collective like the one that you did. How did you start curating those amazing people? Well, it was unintentional. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll touch on my wellness journey, but and how I started my body green. But part of that story was I was smart enough to know that I didn't know everything, and wellness had changed my life. It had saved me in many ways, and so when something affects you like that, you become a seeker. And for me, I sought out anyone I could find, yoga teachers, functional medicine doctors, you name it. And I started to meet with these people and connect with these people and ask them questions. And some of these people became some of our closest friends. They've been to our house for dinner. We've been to their weddings. We've seen babies. We've seen divorces. And, and we really got to know some of these people. And a lot of the members in the collective in our community are some of my wife, who Colleen, who's also a co-founder, some of our closest friends. So 
it came from a, a real authentic place. There was no master plan to create a community, to create a collective. It, it genuinely came from this place of curiosity and passion for wellness and happened very organically. We didn't, I, I always say to people, like, you can't just go out and manufacture or, or recreate community. For us, it's become such a big part of who we are and we're known for. And I think it's because it came from such an authentic place. And, I, and it's an important part of the Mind Body Green story and my story. And I love the fact, Jason, that it happened organically for you. Of course it did. Could it have happened unorganically as somebody who's curating content around wellness? Yeah, a lot of people try to do what we do and copy us. And I just think it just comes off as being transactional and inauthentic. And I, I think that to the people who know me, who are part of the collective or know Colleen, like it's real, it's authentic. And I think it comes through in the content and comes through in our events and comes through in everything we do. And so, yeah, I think you can try to, but at the end of the day, if it's not authentic, people can see through that. So a lot of bigger companies will reach out and they reach out because we're known for having our community and they'll ask me questions like, how do we create this? And I'm like, good luck. You can't, it's, it's, it's hard. you can't manufacture community. It's because you're living the experience. Yes. Yes. Jason, I'm guessing your responsibilities as the CEO and founder of Mind Body Green have evolved quite a bit over the years. Can yes. you take us into a typical day for you? If we were a fly on the wall, what would we be watching you do during the course of an average day? Well, I would say there is no average day for me, which is uh, other than then it's it's pretty full and my calendar is generally pretty full. But if I had to generalize, I would say a lot of meetings with the management team, a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings. And then the, the fun part and the challenging part is we're small enough, but big enough company, we're around 50 people. I'm sort of everywhere. So I have a very strong opinion on creative. I love content. I have to dabble in finance, operations, everything we do. I have to be able to roll up my sleeves and get involved and be able to go high and low. So what do I mean by that? It's, you know, be able to think strategically, big picture, have a vision, but at the same time, when necessary, roll up my sleeves and really understand the, the work of the work, if you will. And so it's very stimulating. It can also be very exhausting, but I love that I get to be able to do that because every day truly is different. And every day is part of the journey in, in building what we're building here. And then you throw on mission and, and as a mission driven entrepreneur, that, that's what keeps me going on the days that can be quite grueling. So short answer is every day is different. Every day is very full. <laughs> Are you spending much of your day in meetings, kind of running from one meeting to the next, or I'm guessing loping from one meeting to the next? Yeah, I don't know if I'm loping, but some days, yeah. So it, it could be anything from a meeting to a podcast interview to I need time to look at numbers to you name it. It really, there's always something I am going to. It's very rare that I have more than a couple hours free on any given day. So how do you manage your time? I can just speak from 
personal experience and say, that has always been a challenge for me. How do you manage your time in a way that makes you as effective as possible? I would say carefully and thoughtfully. <laughs> okay. And I, it's still a challenge. I think every entrepreneur struggles with this. For me, I think I've gotten better at this. I try to spend Look, there are a million meetings I could take and a million clients I could go visit. But I, I think for me, what I've become, I've become better at managing my time and, and making sure I limit time out of the office and only take meetings that I would say can really impact the business or the brand in a significant way. And so I'm, I'm just, I really try to manage my time more carefully and try to say no more often. And so it's still a work in progress and exercise that we're very grateful. Our lead investor and board member and mentor is a man named Lou Frankfurt, who was the CEO of Coach, the brand Coach, for over 30 years. Took them from $5 million in revenue to $6 billion in revenue and is, is known as like one of the greatest living operators. And he's been great for us and a great partner and very mission driven and has helped me become a better entrepreneur and CEO. And one of the exercises he made me do a year ago, which is very telling, was look at my calendar and look at every meeting and everything was on my calendar for the previous month and put them in buckets of how I was spending my time. And it was a great exercise because it's very telling of where you are spending your time. Are you spending your time on things that matter or don't matter? And I think it's an exercise that is good for everyone to do at some point, especially when you're stretched for time by spending my time on this over here, which is really meaningful or Maybe I'm, wow, look at all the time I'm spending traveling to meetings. Maybe I could just cut that down. And that, that was a tremendously helpful exercise for me. You mentioned great advice that you were given by your lead mentor and investor, Jason. Yes. What is the best career advice that you've ever gotten? I don't know if I've ever gotten career advice. I'd say I've gotten a lot of little bits of pieces of advices, pieces of advice along the way. I would say one thing from Lou, I don't know if you call it advice, but something that I try to remind myself all the time is your problems don't go away, they just change. Because I think entrepreneurs and whether you're in business or relationships, you know, people tend to say like, we just need to get to this and then it'll be good. Or we need to get to that. That's not the reality. I think it's a good metaphor for life. It's a journey, it's not a destination. And yes, there are little destinations along the way. And, it's a, and look, I, I believe in goals. I believe in setting goals and killing goals and achieving goals. But I think it's a good metaphor for life and an important reminder that it really is about the journey. So where is Mind Body Green in the path towards your ultimate destination? And what is that ultimate destination, Jason? Do you know? I think we're, even though we've been around for coming on 10 years, I still think we're early in the journey. I think that the world of wellness is exploding in a great way and, and people are really waking up to the point of view that we think we're the only brand that really has and that everything is connected, mind, body, and green. And for us, it's about continuing to create inspiring content, inspiring classes and trainings that help people really dive in and, and go deeper and change their lives and events. And then the next phase for us in 2019 will be product, which is really exciting. And so that's a whole nother, a whole nother business for us, but a big one and one that we believe can really help change people's lives. So we think we're early. Ooh, so tell us more. What do you mean by product? We are launching MindBuddy Green branded product in 
Q1 of 2019. However, I cannot tell you what that will be. (laughs) (laughs) I could talk to you maybe in in March about that, but for right now, I can just say we're launching product. And what I can say is it's innovative and it's ultimately product that we think will really change people's lives. So we're really excited. Well, that's very intriguing and we'll all have to stay tuned for the big reveal. One thing I know you can talk about, Jason, are those classes and the trainings that you offer at Mind Body Green. Were you all among the first to do this? And can you tell us about what these classes and trainings are? Sure. So we've got almost 90 classes and trainings that people can purchase online. And for us, it was an opportunity to really go deeper and educate people. So it's our belief that if you're really mission driven and you want to change people's lives, that education is is critical and access. And so we are really fortunate living here in, in New York City that we have access to a lot of the, the best instructors, the best experts in the world. And I'll use nutrition as an example. If you're reading a, a piece of content on nutrition or functional medicine, which is an emerging field in, in wellness and medicine, and you're all excited and you want to go deeper, but you live in Nebraska, you don't have access to some of these amazing functional medicine doctors or psychiatrists like Ellen Vora. Like you, you just can't get them. And so for us, it was an opportunity like, like, look, we're about transforming lives. And if someone reads a piece of content and then they're like, wait, wait, I want to do this, but I don't have access to this person or I can't afford it or I don't make it to New York or L.A. It was an opportunity for us to create educational content that really went deep with people and help educate them and ultimately transform lives. And so that was the idea behind the classes and trainings. And we've got, as I mentioned, almost 90, everything from anxiety, stress, depression to meditation, yoga. We have a functional nutrition program. You name it with some of the the best and brightest in wellness. So for us, it was ultimately about access and education, which is absolutely critical if you're going to transform people's lives. I know one of the mentors, I believe, who is in your orbit is Emily Fletcher. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, So my son, my 14-year-old son and I have been doing, in fact, we're doing it for a second time, her online Ziva meditation. And for those Java junkies who are interested in learning more about Emily, they can listen to episode 58, in which she and I sat down for a chat. And I got to tell you, it is amazing. The way that online courses have evolved. And of course, Emily is an incredibly gifted performer because, hey, she was on Broadway. I think it is such a fantastic way to make the world smaller, Jason. Agreed. 100%. So let's flash back, Jason, 10 years ago when you launched Mind Body Green. Where did that idea come come from? How did a one-time history major (laughs) as an undergrad come to start a lifestyle media company? And what did Mind Body Green look like when you first started it in your New York City apartment? So I graduated from college in 1998 and 
was an athlete, played basketball at Columbia, but no scholarships, so heavy financial aid coming from lower middle class, a lot of debt coming out of Columbia back in 1998. And for me, I wanted to make money. Money would take care of college debt. I grew up not having money and saw money as freedom. And so the fastest way to acquiring money back then was either going to Wall Street, becoming an attorney or a doctor. I joke, I had no aptitude for science. I had no grades for law school. And so Wall Street it was. So I became an equities trader. Was fortunate enough to do well enough where I could pay off my college debt. Not well enough to retire, but well enough where I had the the handcuffs off, the debt handcuffs. 9-11 happened. Happened. Like a lot of New Yorkers at the time, I was deeply affected by that event and started to just lose interest in trading and want to do other things. And that led me to the startup world, become an entrepreneur. And I was part of a couple startups that failed and learned a lot. The cliche is true. Learn more from your failures, although I hate failing and don't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> Fast forward to 2008. I was running another startup and the company wasn't doing well and found myself flying quite a lot. I flew over 100,000 miles domestic in a year, six foot seven. So if you imagine what that looks like in a coach seat, it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. So the flying combined with stress and an old basketball injury, I had two extruded discs in my lower back pressing on my sciatic nerve. So the famous L4, L5, S1, which is very common. So excruciating sciatica, my right leg. My right leg was like a lightning rod. I could not walk. I went to a doctor. He said, you need back surgery, non-negotiable. And I have nothing against surgery, but I generally see it as a last resort. And the success rates with back surgery actually are not good. So I, I sought a second opinion. And that doctor said the same thing. He said, you need back surgery. And it was almost like an afterthought. He said, you know, maybe some yoga or therapy could, could help, but you know, you probably still need surgery. And so my then girlfriend, my now wife, was into yoga. And so I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll give this a shot. So I did began some really light yoga, like five to 10 minutes at home in the morning and evening. Started to feel better. Started to make some other changes in my life. Started to look at sleep, look at stress. Started to look at nutrition. I was a guy who my idea of nutrition back then was steak and martinis at the Palm Steakhouse. I ate so much steak and drank so much vodka in one year, my face is on the wall. Palm, next to Adam Sandler and Joe Namath. So I was immortalized at age 27 <laughs> on the wall there. Wow. So it started to, you know, still eat meat, but now I always try to eat grass fed and, and have more vegetables and just generally embrace like a more anti-inflammatory diet. So made changes in diet, started to look at relationships, started to look at the environment and toxins and, and, and all those things. And over the course of a couple months, I completely healed and yoga was a big part of that among the other lifestyle changes I was making. And so in that process, I was like, holy cow, like I went from like not walking to I'm totally fine to the day that I never got back surgery. And so I was like, wow, everyone's got wellness wrong. Every print magazine back then was about vanity and weight loss. And to me, it was so clear that that wasn't it. And anything that was a little bit more holistic, a little bit of a blend of Eastern meets Western was too new agey or too angry or just preached to the choir 
buyer of the converted who live in the west side of LA or Brooklyn or Boulder and nothing in my mind was inclusive and I thought that there was an opportunity to not just preach the choir but build a bigger church and it was so clear to me that it was this lifestyle this mental physical spiritual emotional environmental well-being that all these things were interconnected and hence my buddy green and so the idea was to start a media company where we would talk about this and that, that's how it all started out of our apartment and found my co-founders and started out of our apartment in 2009 and didn't didn't really get traction for three years three years i didn't take a salary and my wife supported me which is a very stressful time so that's how it all started always held the big vision but along the way it was definitely challenges in the early days did you have any experience with blogging before you started no writing about this <laughs> no no, no, no. I, I think back then I ran on pure passion, but generally had always been drawn to media, loved media, was always a very curious person. And I think having no experience probably helped, but it took a while. And Jason, from the beginning, did you say, I am building a media company or did it start with you saying, I'm just going to blog about this? I think I always envisioned My Buddy Green as a brand, a lifestyle brand, and media was a big part of it. And so it's a balance. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. You know, on one hand, you need the big vision. On the other hand, you need to focus on the day to day and do the work and pull up your sleeves. So I held the vision, but at the same time, did the work of the work and I blogged, I did all the social media, I sold ads, I did whatever I needed to do and did that for a long time. So I think it's a balance of doing both. How did you sell your first ad and do you remember one of the first companies that you got to place an ad? God, there were like a big thing was turning on Google AdSense. So that was like, those were network ads. I don't remember exactly, but I there were like a lot of small companies, 500 bucks there, a thousand bucks there, a couple grand, but it was all meaningful back then. As I mentioned, I didn't pay myself a salary for three years. So I think that's an important question. People always ask like, well, if you're going to start a company, would you start the company and be willing to work for free? And I, I think it's an important question. My answer is yes, I did it for three years. So how how did you go from blogging on your couch to actually bringing in enough revenue that you started paying yourself a salary? I think it was a combination of being relentless, of being persistent, of having endurance, having a very supportive wife. <laughs> I think that's the blood, sweat and tears. And then, of course, having benefited from the greater macroeconomic trend of, of wellness and also the explosion of social media and all of those things obviously benefited us. Like any company, any startup, any business, I think it's, it's always a mix of effort, aptitude and luck. Yeah, definitely. Jason, I was wondering if you would share with Java Junkies how you turned the corner and when you maybe began to see a little light streaming in that very long tunnel that you were stuck inside for three years. Sure. So... 2012 was a big turning point. We started in 2009 with zero, so zero in terms of traffic. Didn't get to 100,000 unique visitors, 100,000 people until January 2011. And then it started to creep up, found ourselves at 500,000 in 2012, and then increased every month, crossed a million that summer, then 2 million in 13, and then a high of 15 million 
2014. And a lot of that happened through, there was a, a Facebook gold rush, which we benefited from. And so it was in some ways waiting for the right opportunity. And, and I think being a trader helped me recognize this and then avoiding it. And then also recognizing when that opportunity was ending and then diversifying. So at one time, Facebook represented 70% of our traffic. Now it's like five and our traffic is around 10 million. So we didn't really get hurt. So I, I think it was putting in the work and doing everything you can to find the fuel for growth. And for us, that was Facebook at the time. And then the macroeconomic trend of wellness, not to mention influencers and all the relationships we had built. This was pre-Instagram, pre-influence. There was no such thing as an influencer when we started. So it's a combination of putting in the work and really being passionate, mission-driven, and then taking advantage of the opportunities that came our way. And a lot of it happened in 2012. I love the fact that your experience as an equities trader was coming into play. Yeah, there are very few things that I think in retrospect, there weren't a lot of transferable skills other that I'm very good at assessing risk versus reward. And I am I am very comfortable with uncertainty where most people are uncomfortable. And I think that is like, if you're not comfortable with a lot of uncertainty, you just should never start a business. Why do you think you're so good at assessing risk versus reward? Is that because these were skills that you were working on as an equity trader or is this just yeah. something that's innate? A little bit innate, but to be a good trader, that's what you do all day. It's not betting. It's not gambling. It's assessing risk and reward live all day <laughs> and knowing when the reward outweighs the risk significantly and being able to really put necessary resources behind it when you know and knowing when to cut your losses. It's all about assessing risk and reward essentially all day. But to assess, to really assess risk reward, is that something that you have to put in hours kind of becoming an expert in that field, in that particular trade area? Or is this just something that you get taught on the job? I think for me, intuitively, I had always been good at that, but refine that skill as a trader as I saw it play out live on a daily basis. There are, like, look, there are analysts who, who do that and do all these fancy models that are super quantitative. But I think for me, it's a little bit of using my intuitive muscles there. And like any muscle, you have to work those muscles out. Otherwise, they don't work as well. And I really work those muscles for <laughs> pretty hard as a trader. And then as an entrepreneur, you have to work them all the time. So I think over the course of time, They've just gotten stronger. Jason, I want to flash back farther than when you were starting Mind Body Green to when you were an undergrad at Columbia. And as I mentioned earlier in the interview, you were a history major. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? No idea. And so, and, yeah, go ahead. And Columbia was a liberal arts college. So most people majored in history, political science, economics, like unless you were pre-med, people just majored in anything. And so what was your first job after you graduated and how did you get it? Trader. I was an equities trader. That was my first job. And actually, this was the summer of 90, 98. And I actually wanted to become a bond trader. But that summer 
summer, the bond market collapsed. There was a hedge fund that like went out of business and got bailed out by the Fed. Long-term capital management, if people want to look that up. But like I had romanticized being a bond trader. I had read Liar's Poker, great Michael Lewis book. And then that was not going to happen. And I had some friends from college who were equities traders at a firm and were doing quite well. And I, had, I was able to interview and, and the firm was full of all Ivy League graduates and ex-athletes and they threw you to the fire. It wasn't like most of Wall Street where you had to become an analyst or you know an errand coffee boy for two years. They gave you a very low salary and trained you and after three months you were thrown to the fire. You survived or failed and so it was a great opportunity and I was able to, to start trading immediately instead of waiting two years. So that's how it all happened. And that's how you were eventually able to pay off all of your debt. Yes, yes. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. And I know, as you've already alluded, that you were big into sports as an undergrad, as a varsity basketball player for four years at Columbia. Were there any other extracurriculars that you were involved in, or perhaps it was just basketball, which I'm sure was all consuming anyway, that in hindsight, Jason, you think while you were enjoying those different activities, you were in fact fine-tuning, honing, developing skills that have been useful to you since you got into the working world. Sure. So uh, I was also president of our fraternity. Not a lot of transferable skills there. It was primarily basketball for me, and basketball was a full-time job. It was, practice was three hours. If you were injured, you had to come in earlier and then stay later. You're talking five hours a day in some days. And so it was definitely a full-time job on top of the regular workload at Columbia. I think I learned more from playing basketball than I did at any academic institution. (laughs) Things I carry with me today, I learned a lot about teamwork. I learned a lot, fortunately and unfortunately, about losing and how do you regroup after a loss. And Being part of a losing team, that was pretty bad when I first got to Columbia and then leaving on a team that started to win. I saw how hard it is to turn around from losing to winning and so much of it has to do with mindset. I learned about adversity, injury, all those things. I always say like being a college athlete, I learned more about running a company and and leadership and and managing people and and all those things, more so than any academic institution. It was a really great experience for me. Absolutely. I would love to hear, Jason, about some of your forays into the startup world, into the entrepreneurial world before MindBodyGreen, maybe where you were, in fact, applying some of those many skills that you honed on the basketball court. I know, and you've already alluded to the fact that you had three other startups that failed. One of them, I believe, was a low-carb cheesecake company. Yep. Could you tell us maybe very quickly about one of those experiences that, yes, end in failure, but what you learned through that process that maybe you took into Mind Body Green? Sure. So with the cheesecake company, I learned a couple things. One, market timing is a big thing. So back then, it was a frozen product and people weren't ordering food as, <laughs> or used to ordering food like they are today, particularly frozen food. And so I had a product that 
had great packaging and ended up becoming a seasonal product. So it was a holiday product and all of the revenue came in Q4 and I just couldn't get it out of a seasonal product. And I created something, but it couldn't scale. And what, what do I mean by that? I created something that had a, a ceiling on revenue and no matter how hard I worked, I would not be able to make more than $40,000 and it would all happen during Q4. And so I learned about creating a product that could scale. And so that was one thing I learned with the Cheesecake Company. On the flip side, there was another company, Crummy Brothers, an organic cookie company that was in every Whole Foods market in the country, Great Organic Cookies. And we went from like zero to every Whole Foods market in the country, like overnight. And we scaled too quickly and we couldn't handle it. And among other factors, like big organic price increase in 2008 when there was a giant recession, which hurt the business, we scaled too quickly. And so I learned about the power of scale on those startups. And what the lesson learned is, you know, is the market big enough? Can you add something? And then can you figure out how to grow it in the right way that can succeed? And on one hand, I had something that I just couldn't grow no matter what I did. And that was because the, the market wasn't there. On the other hand, we scaled too quickly and we weren't ready for it. And, and that can also kill a business. That's so interesting you would say that because another guest that I had on Time for Coffee, who is herself now a venture capitalist worked in the business world for many years, Natalie Molina Nino, spoke about how so often entrepreneurs, and especially women entrepreneurs, kind of game it all out for the times they're going to fail, but they don't prepare for success. And so often companies that do fail, fail because they didn't plan on the fact that they would take off. Yep. Exactly. So Jason, clearly there have been many times thus far in your professional life when you've struggled, when you've failed. But more importantly, what I hope you could share with Java Junkies is how you persevered and any lessons that you may have learned in the process. Look, I think it's still something I think about. And I think you never escape some fear of failure if you're an entrepreneur. Or I still think about, you know, there always parts of our business where something's always off. Nothing's ever perfect. There's always something that needs to be worked on. And I think when you lose sight of that, sometimes you lose touch with your business. So my advice to anyone is what did I get through? I just like push through. I don't like losing. I am really passionate about what I do and what we're doing at Mind Body Green. And I think for me, when I had the dark night of the soul and I've had many of them, what gets me through it's the passion and I think when you lack the passion or the mission when that dark night of the soul comes you're probably going to give up and then that's okay giving up is okay and I think knowing when to call quits knowing when to pivot knowing when to do all those things is important in business and also in life but for me it was really like passion like I would still wake up in the morning and say like this this is it I love this I love what I do and passion is what has gotten me through and for me it's it's the only way to operate it's the only way to to be it's passion and, and I have this passion for wellness and, and everything we're doing at Mind Body Green. Do you feel more passionately about Mind Body Green than you did about your other three companies? Yeah, absolutely. There's no, not even close. It's like, this is it. Like, this is my, <laughs> this is my life's work. It's fantastic. So final time for coffee question, Jason. If you could go 
back to Columbia and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Spend a little more time in class. I definitely was not as studious as I could have been. In retrospect, my father had passed away unexpectedly right before I went to college. And so I think I carried a lot of that to college and definitely partied way too much. Although I say I have no regrets, but I didn't spend enough time in class. And I think part of that was I experienced loss and sudden loss. And having experienced that, I thought, you know, life is short. I'm just going to enjoy college as much as I can. And so my priority, my priorities were probably my social life, basketball, and then school, and then basketball got to the top at the end, and then social life, and then unfortunately school was always at the bottom. And I wish I would have maybe paid a little bit more attention to academics when I was there. Yeah, I'm with you. And gosh, who could blame you, Jason, having gone through such an incredible trauma in your life? I'll tell you, you you obviously have tremendous self-awareness now, and you're in the process of healing and building your life and getting to the next level, which is all that we can ever hope to do. Jason, I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee with me and the Time for Coffee community today. Jason's wonderful book is entitled Wealth, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume, and his terrific podcast can be found by searching the Mind Body Green podcast on your favorite listening platform. I want to congratulate you, Jason, and your wife, Colleen, and the Mind Body Green team on all that you have achieved. And thank you so much for all your hard work to try to make all of our lives a lot healthier and happier and our planet a much greener and hopefully more sustainable place for all of us to live. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. It's an honor. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee. 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. <laughs>